Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey everybody, it's Kevin, and today I have the pleasure of being on the podcast with my new friend, Diana Puglio. Hello. That's right. Diana is an account manager, sorry, a senior account manager over at Roombo, a multicultural marketing and advertising agency based in Tampa, Florida, but she is also an active member of the community here in Nashville, Tennessee, where I reside, and she resides as well. She's a board member on two or for two organizations, uh, first the Mental Health America of the Mid-South uh, organization as well as Together Digital, which is actually about bringing women into digital industries. Is that mm-hmm. correct? That is correct. And so uh, anyone who meets Diana, you quickly feel uh, like you already have a lifelong friend. She's incredibly warm and, and loving and kind. Uh, we actually, actually met her through Chris Thomas of Made South. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, Chris was a previous guest here on Launch University, so you can check that episode out and hear his story. But today I asked Diana to come onto the podcast because of her work. I feel like there's something, what she does every single day is help organizations connect with different communities, different markets that they're trying to serve. And that often requires them to expand their perspective and dig into the cultures of their customers. And I feel like that's a really fascinating idea that all of us as launchers can learn. This reality that just because we created it for one one group of people doesn't mean it doesn't serve multiple groups of people, as well as making sure we recognize that there are natural uh, differences in the communities we serve, and we can't assume that everyone has the same perspective that we do. And so we talk a lot about empathy on this podcast, and I feel like, you know what, Diana's one of the friends I know who uses empathy in her work at such a deep level every single day, and we can learn a lot from her. So, Diana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. And hello, launchers. Excited to connect with all of you. Diana is a launcher herself, that's for sure. So <laughs> I want to make sure we just jump in and get some more about you. So for the last decade, you've worked with in a small business. I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. But especially, I mean, but specifically when it comes to working for marketing agencies, and advertising agencies, you so that's your your specialty, but you help multiple clients communicate their message. So mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated personally. I've never met anybody who's been in agency world this long and this young. She's so vibrant and young. Um, <laughs> You're so sweet. <laughs> well, it's true. Everybody feels the energy. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, like, just more about yourself and and how do you even get into this industry? So, geez. Taken me back. So I would say it first kind of started, you know, in my upbringing. I am, you know, my Latina friends, I call me an honorary Latina. So mm. I, I'm not Latina or Hispanic by blood, but I almost feel it in my bones because mm. of how I was raised. And that is all thanks to my family. So my dad's brother, he's Italian, Catholic, married a Panamanian. Mm. And all of my cousins are Panamanian. All my second and third cousins are Panamanian. So growing up, celebrating holidays with them, going to Panama, understanding that culture and being a part of it, mm. I felt like you know it was kind of one in the same. Like I felt a part of it. So fast track to high school um, when we had to do an internship before going to college. Advertising always had kind of spoke to me, mm-hmm. the idea of using some sort of visual representation to connect with people, like that's powerful, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of where my love for advertising started. And then going to Florida State University, they offered a program, a very unique program, where you can minor in Hispanic marketing. 
Wow. So yeah. So what what is a better fit? And I didn't know that before going there, but once I was kind of in the advertising program, becoming more familiar with Dr. Corzeni, who started the program, I was like, wow, this is a great fit for me. What a, what a better fit. So that's incredible. No, and and, and so for you. You you left school and immediately kind of went into the industry and said, hey, I'm going to look for a job with an ad agency? Yes, that's kind of how it started. I knew I wanted to work at an ad agency, but based on, I guess, my experience in school and speaking to other people and my internships, I knew I wanted something on a smaller scale or midsize. Hmm. Um, I knew that I did not want to go to New York and work at one of the big you know, top 10 agencies. I felt like more of my comfort zone would be working at a place that was more family oriented and close knit, hmm. which is why I think my path kind of led me to more small and mid-sized agencies. So with that being said, I mean, you currently work for Roombo mm-hmm. and, um, and so what does Roombo do and, and, and how did you even get there? So with Roombo, um, I moved to Tampa due to my husband's job, and I had actually applied to another agency in the market and was connected to my boss now, George, at Roombo through a cover letter. I think it was one of those things where I saw a job posting for an ad agency in Tampa, sent in you know, my credentials. She saw Hispanic marketing, multicultural marketing, how that was my strength and what I wanted to go into and connect me with George. So I didn't even know Roombo existed until wow. someone made that connection. That's right? so cool. Yeah. So it was really kind of an organic, natural approach. And it's really interesting that we were connected that way. That's awesome. And so, so give us some more detail for those who don't know much about multicultural marketing. What does Roombo do? Gosh, what a question, Kevin. So at Roombo, we work with our clients to create a bond with multicultural audiences. Mm. There are diverse audiences that our clients want to connect with, but they don't know how. They don't know how to speak to them. They don't know how to speak their language, per se. And a lot of the time, clients don't really understand the importance of connecting with these audiences. Mm. So what we do is we guide our clients on that journey to reaching them through messaging that resonates culturally. I don't, so it's almost like you all are translators. In a way, I would say we are translators because our job at Roombo is to take the client's product or service and make sure that that translates well, so to speak, to the audience we're reaching. In its simplest terms, we all experience life through the lens of our own culture. So at Roombo, our mission is to guide our clients on that path so they can reach these diverse audiences with messages that resonate. And speak to their culture. No, that makes a, that makes a ton of sense. So I think the key thing I'm, I'm asking myself, I'm sure others are asking, and, and that's like, how does that work? You know, because when I think about you all, if you're just a consulting, I would say, okay, well, that makes sense to me. You're going to just advise me what I'm doing. But you all are also like helping people craft those messages. And so I'm curious, like, a little bit of how that works and, and really why it's such a valuable tool I, or even a necessity for some organizations. I, and, I, and I think the reason I'm, I'm curious about that is because I am asking myself, like, so do you go hang out with my customer and like bring it back to me and say, hey, we talked to fill in the blank people and they said you should say. Just curious for all the nerds out there. Well, it definitely is a process. So when we are first starting with a client, the most important thing for us to understand is who they're speaking to and why. And you know, you can break that down on so many different levels. And we really have to get granular with it because especially when we're talking about the Hispanic market, you know, are you 
is your product or service suited better for the U.S. bicultural millennial that's speaking Spanish and English, you know, throughout the day, they're accustomed to both media, or are you kind of speaking to that older Hispanic who feels more comfortable speaking Spanish? Mm -hmm. And also think geographically, you know, how we speak to our customers in Miami is very different from how we're going to speak to our Hispanic consumers here in Nashville. So a big part of that and figuring out all of those little details starts with research and strategy. So think of it as putting together kind of, you know, a scope of work, a plan where we have a complete understanding of who our audience is. And, you know, that is the most challenging part of the project, I would say, working with clients to kind of do a deep dive of who that is because the Hispanic market itself, they are not monolithic. I mean, they are so diverse Mm -hmm. in the best sense of the term where we like to develop customer profiles to really paint the picture of who this consumer is to our clients. No, that makes a ton of sense. And yeah, so I would imagine that requires like anthropology type work as well as a lot of maybe secondary research like reading papers and Mm -hmm. a lot of research like that as well. Is that accurate? Yes. And definitely kind of becoming one with the community, understanding the community itself, what organizations are there, what businesses are there, where is our target audience? Like what kind of roles do they have in the community? What's important to them? What are they currently buying? You know, if it's product focused and kind of honing in on those things and painting a picture of here is who your consumer is. Out of curiosity, for most people who come to work with organizations like Roombo, what what makes them pick the phone up? Is it like, hey, our analysts in the back told us that if we talked to Hispanics, we would make X more millions of dollars? <laughs> Is it, hey, we've been we we serve Hispanic market, we've always have, and we've seen our sales dip, and now we don't know what we're, what we're missing. Like, I'm just curious because I think that we all have you know that that trigger point for our customers to say, I need what you have to to offer, right? So for the two other two founders of our team, David and Shane Benson, Chick Fil A, it's very simple. I'm hungry. <laughs> Therefore, I'm going to you know, right. I, I know, and I, I mean, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegetarian, and I'm hungry. What's around me? Oh, there's Chick-fil-A. So I'm curious, what is that trigger point for your for your customers? It really varies, you know, when clients come to us, um, what their needs are and what they're looking for. You know, for example, one of our clients who's a financial institution, they have branches in the market that are strategically located in areas with high number of Hispanics. Mm. And they became aware of that and looked at their numbers, you know, looked at their member numbers and thought, wow, this, this you know, this percentage of of our members are Hispanic. Hmm. Maybe we need to do something more focused on them. So some clients come to us with that, already having that understanding. Hmm. And others say, hey, I've read this stat, you know, 18% of the U.S. population are comprised of Hispanics. What We're not really doing anything in our company or offering this product or service to them, but maybe we should, you know, so the hmm. wheels are kind of turning. So that starts with some sort of session or call where we can kind of chat with them about what we do. So sometimes that curiosity is there. And it's kind of cool to kind of see the wheels turning when we do talk about how you can reach them effectively. Hmm, that's helpful. So I, I think one of the things that jumped out to me um, through just going through all learning what you and what you do was that one of the key benefits of multicultural marketing is the opportunity to grow. You know, and I think anyone who's listening to this podcast, we know that we're all naturally bent toward growing as, as professionally, personally, obviously, and then helping our organizations grow as well. And I thought that most people would never disagree with the idea of expansion. However, I'm assuming that no one thinks that way, but people are still leaving money on the table. Right. So I'm curious from your experience, 
as to why. Like, what? why are people not making multicultural marketing a priority or getting into other markets a priority on a regular basis, especially when there's so much societal pressure to do so. Like, we, hey, women need this, and, you know, millennials need that, and, you know. LGBTQ. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just curious as to what you're seeing from your side that maybe is holding organizations back from pursuing expansion with different markets? That's a really good question. I would say the main thing that we see when it comes to clients not choosing multicultural marketing as part of their strategy has to do with the lack of understanding, Hmm. the importance of reaching out to that market. They are not aware of the purchasing power, the Hmm. growth of the market. And, you know, I think a lot of times as, you know, I'm sure some of you launchers see, it's sometimes something new can be really hard. You know, we like to stay in our comfort zones. And if you're used to, you know, creating a strategy and it's been working for you, why stray from that? Mm -hmm. But I think it's also important to note, I think the status something like, you know, by 2042 or 2045, don't quote me on that, you know, in the US, it will be a minority majority population. Mm. Like that in itself you know, I would think would be enough to kind of propel the organization to be like, wait a minute, what are we doing to reach those consumers Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of switch up what you're doing? Mm -hmm. So I would say that's definitely one of the main points is that lack of understanding. The second thing I would say when it comes to companies not being involved in multicultural marketing or seeing it as important would have to do with budgets. Mm. You know, if it's something you haven't done before and it's not really on your brain, you may not be allocating that budget towards it. So a lot of the times they'll say, hey, we've already kind of devoted our budget to the general market per se. And, you know, we have like a thousand dollars left in our budget. Will that work for reaching out to this audience? And that's immediately when we say, hey, listen, like we are all about reaching out to this market, but we really want it to be effective. And building a relationship is the first thing you have to do. So just being present at an event or doing an ad campaign for a month is really not going to show as much traction as you may think it will. It really, you really need to start with building a relationship with that audience in order to see long-term return. No, that makes a ton of sense to me. You know, when I think about that, I mean, it makes me think about Facebook, you know, and and the, the reality that, you know, we could all run today, you know, $100 in advertising to one segment of the market and then do another $100 to another segment of the market. And I think that there's a, there is a reality that while I am not an expert in any way in what you do, there is a reality to say, you know, the excuses are getting fewer and fewer for us to say we have to at least attempt to start the process of communicating to different people differently, you know, and, yes. I, and, I, and I think, and I think that, that to me is what really hits home to me about a lot of this work that you're doing is this reality that that's the reality of life, that I can't go through every situation thing. I can treat everyone the same. Right. And then they're going to understand what I'm doing and how I can serve them with, you know, equally well. They won't. Right. So, so with that, Diana, one of the things I would love to get your perspective on is, you know, what differentiates organizations that are doing this well from organizations that are struggling with it. And so you can feel free to cite stories from people you work with or even things you see in the market we all might know. But I think that for many of us, when we hear you say that $1,000 may, may not cut it or a one-time kind of like, you know, 
show up and leave kind of experience won't really create a relationship. I'm sure many of us are saying, well, what, no, what does that even look like? What does success in this area look like? So we just love to hear your perspective on what separates those who are doing it well from those who aren't. I would say, you know, going back to what I was saying before, the relationship building is very important when it comes to the Hispanic audience. You know, just like any consumer, they can tell when a brand is just there to celebrate, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month, for example, Hmm. or just there for a certain time of year that kind of works for them and their brand. Hmm. Consumers see right through that. And it just goes back to developing that human connection, that Mm. relationship. If you are constantly trying to reach this audience through authentic messaging and getting to know them and what their wants and needs are, what are their passion points? What's important to them and their family? What are they looking, you know, for a brand to help them achieve? What do they value? Thinking about those kinds of things will help brands develop those long lasting relationships. And, you know, I... I think it's great when brands do want to put something out there. And even if they don't have a lot of money to spend, just the fact that they are interested in reaching that market and see the importance, that's kind of a good starting point. The first thing I can think of is the Pepsi Kendall Jenner ad. You know, that was a complete flop. And obviously, Pepsi did not mean it to go over that way. Obviously, who would want that kind of, you know, traction? And that was not good publicity. But, you know, I think that example just kind of shows that they're, you know, they they had this commercial out there and Pepsi expected for it to bring people together. Right. They wanted people to come together and feel like, wow, Pepsi really cares about this cause. Yeah. Like, this is important to them. Yeah. And I can relate to that. And I love Pepsi. But it did the complete opposite. If anything, it, you know, enabled people to kind of raise their voices in a way where, they were really unhappy. And I think it's important for this to be an example that I share with the launchers because it just goes to show, you know, even though you may have well intentions Mm. with putting something out there, people, your consumers, your customers are going to tell you what they feel about something. Mm. You know, with social media and digital nowadays, everybody has a voice and they got so much backlash for that. And I feel for them, but I also hope that that, you know, maybe taught the agency and the brand itself to make sure you have people in the room that have an understanding of what you know, that message is mm. and have an understanding of how the audience may react. Yeah. I would I would assume they didn't do a lot of research or focus groups or really have an understanding of the Black Lives Matter movement mm. because something like that wouldn't have gone to screen, you know, during the Super Bowl if that research and deep diving had happened. That's yeah. how I feel personally. No, no, and and that and that you kinda hit something on the head you said, you know, about relationship and getting to know people. How have you seen companies go about getting to know their customers? Because I think for many people, we, we, we preach this a lot about empathy, but I think for many of us, like, yeah, well, is it literally me calling customers one at a time? It, like, like what, what have you seen are some effective tools to start the process of building a knowledge of really what, your, what makes your customers tick? So I think it's twofold. I think the first part is looking at the data, doing a deep dive of the analytics and seeing who your customers are and looking at the numbers, looking at any psychographic information you may have. Where do they live? What kind of products are they purchasing? And kind of understand their behavior and the patterns. And then the other part is, like you were saying, you know, speaking directly. I think focus groups are really underutilized, but they can really bring a lot of things to the forefront 
that brands and companies don't even think about. Hmm. That's really powerful. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and I, I've never done focus groups. You know, um, I've done some customer interviews before, but this is convicting me to, to do them more often. That's for sure. Yes. Um, so, so for those who are interested in taking action and maybe exploring some of the possibilities of multicultural marketing, like. And we don't, you know, we always learn from the mistakes of organizations as well, right? It's a little bit of like, well, I don't want to do what Pepsi did. Um, And so what are some of the primary mistakes you see organizations making? And maybe you kind of highlighted it in the last question, but I'd love to kind of hear what, when you look at people you all serve and connect with all the time, what are the common mistakes you say, this always shows up? I'd say one of the big missteps that organizations make is translating material directly to Spanish or Portuguese or whatever language it may be, Hmm. putting it out there and expecting a positive response. Translating is not multicultural marketing. That is not Hispanic marketing. It is a lot deeper than that. Now, is that that primarily because we don't know the cultural implications of how words are being used and put together with other imagery? Yes, that definitely has to do with an understanding of those cultural nuances that translating from English to Spanish does not provide. Another fun example that is one of my favorite examples of, I guess, a misstep. There was a supermarket that put out an ad for Valentine's Day, and it was in Spanish, and you could tell that they did a direct translation because the ad, you know, was supposed to be targeting husbands who wanted to buy something for their wife or their girlfriend. But the way it came across and translated was buy a gift for your mistress. Whoa. Yes. So they kind of, you know, that is the perfect example that kind of shows, wow, they translated. They did not put any thought (laughs) into it. They probably did not do any kind of mini focus group or check with anybody before putting that out there. Yeah. So Google Translate will leave you to a really tough spot. Yes, That's Wow, I did not know that story. So you talked about this idea of cultural nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually something I picked up also reading through you all's white people on your website. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself like, man, that just just that phrase alone just like just kept ringing a bell in my head, like cultural nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that even as a, as a man, you know, who is married to a woman and is raising a daughter, I'm like, there are just cultural nuances I don't understand amongst women. You know, and, and so there's a reality of me saying, I think, would you mind unpacking that idea sure. of cultural nuance for us? Sure. I will try my best. Um, so I think the best way to think about cultural nuances is see them as passion points. They are triggers in a way that speak and activate feelings or memories or previous experiences that can really hone in on how someone is feeling and will gravitate towards something. So how we do that when we work with our clients is we focus on, you know, key attributes of a brand or a service. And then we kind of go into a deep dive or a brainstorming session to determine how to create messaging that resonates with that audience in a culturally relevant way. So I know that's already a lot there to unpack, but I have an example that I think will help paint the picture. I have an example that will help paint the picture of a cultural nuance and practice, so to say. So for one of our clients that we're working with right now, Tampa Bay Federal Credit Union, they wanted to do a push in the Hispanic market and do continuous advertising throughout the year to make sure that they're building those relationships continuously. 
So with them, you know, there is this phrase in Spanish, ven conmigo, and it means come with me. It's very commonly used. We did a little twist on that. And to relate it to banking and our credit union members, we created Bancomigo. Mm-hmm. And that's B-A-N-C-O-N-M-I-G-O. So Vencomigo, Bancomigo, they sound similar. And when you put them into advertising and you wrap spots around that, that is an example of a cultural nuance where mm-hmm. somebody with that background who's Hispanic, Latino, they hear Bancomigo and they say, wait, did they say Vencomigo? Did they say Bancomigo? And the way we set it up in our spots, it really helps paint that picture. And it shows that we know how to speak their language mm-hmm. without speaking their language. No, <laughs> no, that makes a ton of sense. It, it, it's, I mean, it's almost like, hey, I, won't, I can't trigger a member from your childhood if I don't know your story. Right. You know, I can't trigger, and I can't trigger a moment of joy if I don't know the places that represent joy in your culture. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful, actually. Um, it, makes, it makes me actually think about how I how I can ask different questions when I'm developing my own customer profiles. You know, say, hey, could I could I do a better job of not just saying, you know, what's your pain point? How does it solve the pain point? I can then say now. I want you to experience joy mm-hmm. from some of this. What moments represent joy in your life and how can I connect that visually and audibly when we're creating content for you? Right. And I think making those connections with consumers on that deep level is vital to kind of developing that relationship long term. That makes a ton of sense. And so so I have a couple of two final questions for you. One would be how do we determine if we're ready? Like, I mean, you know, I, I think that I do believe that there are times when, especially for people who are who are just getting started or launching their business, you know, the idea of trying to take one message and make it resonate with a second audience or create another message for them, you're like, I'm struggling to communicate with the first market <laughs> I'm working with. So I'm just curious to hear, when does someone know they might be ready? I think it's important to kind of just take a step back, look at your current customer base and try to keep it simple. Understand your current customer's pain points, why they are purchasing your product or service, why they keep coming back, and then do an even deeper dive and see what their background is. What is their household income? Where do they live? What is important to them and their family? What do they value? I think that is a good starting point for getting involved in multicultural marketing because you can't reach out to a new group of consumers if you don't understand who your current consumers are. No, that makes a ton of sense. And, and, and like you said a moment ago, like that bank you are working with, or I think it was a bank. Credit you mentioned, Union. You mentioned that, that they already looked up and saw that they had a, a, a large Hispanic you know, group of customers. And that's what made them say, we need to understand this better because we already have them here. Right. We don't know why they're here. We don't know why they chose us. We should probably spend time with these individuals who already you know, our patrons of our organization and our business and spend time to get to know them. And then we get to scale that once we know Right. Why they're here, we can scale it with an organization like Roombo through mm-hmm. communication. We know why they're coming to begin with. So you kind of already answered this question for me, and that was this idea of you know what was our first step of taking a step back and know our people through some kind of customer survey or, or mm-hmm. customer interviews. So I guess I really want to end with this, and that is how do people learn more about multicultural marketing? How do they learn more about Roombo? How do they, how do they connect with you? So if they want to want to kind of go deeper in this conversation, because I, I guarantee someone who's listening right now is, has been thinking or working through the idea of recognizing the organization needs to own the reality of, of society and culture and, and say, how do we better serve people who don't fit our general market? Yes. I would love to talk to some launchers about how to get started, you know, answer any questions. You can find me on LinkedIn 
at Diana Puglio. It's P-U-G-L-I-O. Visit Rumbo's website at G-O-R-U-M-B-O dot com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Would love for you to reach out with any questions you may have. Awesome. Well, hey, Diana, first of all, thank you for your time. I really am grateful for it. I know you're a very busy person. And, uh, and for Thanks any, for having me. Hey, it's a pleasure, sincerely. And I want everyone to understand, at the end of the day, we believe that what you have and what you're trying to create can impact the world. The reality is everyone's different. We have to treat different people differently, which is why we talk about starting with the idea of understanding the problem. Before we start to just imagine solutions, understand the problem, which also means understand the people who are affected by that problem and it's our job as launchers as those who want to make a difference to take the time and slow down to become familiar with people we're trying to serve so we come from a place of empathy um, as we move forward and so i want to thank diana again for her time and thank you for listening to this podcast if you've enjoyed the podcast you can go to itunes google play and leave a rating or review and tell us how we can make the show better for you because we're doing it just for you. And then while you're there, also subscribe to the podcast. One of the things we didn't talk about today, but we know this to be true, is that people who are launchers who are actively growing, they automate that growth. They make sure books show up to them. They make sure that podcasts show up on their phone every week so they can automate some of that growth and learning and maximize their commutes maximize their workouts, maximize the carpool line with their kids. That's how this really works. So when you're wondering how that busy person at your job always stays on the latest trends, they're finding things like this and subscribing to things like this to make it easy for them to do it. Lastly, We'd like you to tell a friend about this podcast. So that, you know, we don't want you to keep this to yourself. We want your whole team to grow. The, you know, if you've been trying to have a conversation about multicultural marketing or uh, expanding different markets with people on your team, just send this podcast. Let them hear. Let Diana do the talking for you to make that you know that conversation go a little bit easier. And so, if you want to go back to what we talked about today, we actually have show notes. So if you go to Launch University, that's Y O U in front of the university dot com forward slash podcast. You're going to find this episode with Diana there, along with a summary of all the nuggets she gave us so that you can just quickly go back to what you learned. So if you're driving, do not take notes. We've done that part for you. Keep your hands on the wheel. and um, you Stay can, safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. Don't text and drive. Don't look at your phone. And, um, and, and we will do that for you. Just go to the website, launchuniversity.com forward slash podcast for a complete summary of everything Diana shared with you today, including links. Links to the things she talked about, links to the website, links to even that Pepsi ad with our good friend, Kendall Jenner. <laughs> All right. Thank you again for hanging out with us. And uh, Diana, appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Absolutely. Thank you, launchers. All right. And uh, join us next time for another episode of the Launch University Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Launch University Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.